Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. The parents of my next guest had three beautiful daughters and they prayed to God to give them a son and with that dedicated him to God's service and their passionate desire was fulfilled in the life of their son, Gordon. He embraced Christian faith at the tender age of five and then went on to be a worship leader, musician, pastor, preacher, performer, which might sound like a curious choice when you also find out about Gordon Barr's journey through post-traumatic stress disorder, depression and anxiety. Through it all, he's been a great encouragement and inspiration to many, many people. Gordon Barr, welcome to Open House. Thank you very much, Lee. It's great to meet you and great to have you with us. Thank you. So with that prayer to God, even before you were born, as you were growing up, did you ever feel any pressure about that great and noble desire being fulfilled? I probably didn't see it as pressure at the time, but obviously in hindsight, it led me, I guess, to be in the mentality of, you know, every time I did something for God, I looked at it from the, the angle of, is this the big thing that my mother told me I was going to do for God? And so when I started doing youth work in high schools and youth ministry, I thought, is this the big thing I'm going to do for God? And when I was doing albums and music and traveling around singing, I thought, is this the big thing I'm going to do for yeah, God? Yeah. Then uh, I was fortunate to take teams to Mexico to build houses for the poor and take teams to the Philippines and China on mission trips. And I thought, is this the big thing I'm going to do for God? <laughs> so all through my life, I had these moments where I think, is this the big thing? And and then five years ago, I found myself in a psychiatric hospital called St. John of God at Richmond. So it wouldn't surprise me, you're only human, mm. to feel a bit of pressure with that growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, bless my mum, she, she's an encourager, and I certainly wouldn't take away from any of that encouragement. And um, I'm glad that she, you know, brought me up believing in that. And it's not her fault that uh, things turn out the way they turn out, of course. Making that decision at five to embrace Christian faith. That's a very young conversion. How did that happen? My mum actually ran a good news club with one of the other ladies in the church and all of us kids would um, play in the lounge room and uh, sing songs and do all the normal kinds of things you do at a kids club type of atmosphere. And one day one of the ladies asked me, do you want to become a Christian? And so I said yes. How do you reflect back on that happening at five now? Uh, I've never regretted it. Yeah. Never regretted it. I mean, obviously, there have been times of you know questioned things, and I've I've gone through different stages in my growth and development, but never you know go back on that. You obviously are certain that that is possible at the age of five. Yeah, God was real to me, and I'd seen His realness in my life even at five. And by fourteen, you were preaching and performing. That's correct. Yeah, nineteen seventy-eight. My best mate at high school and I uh, ran a concert in our high school hall called Coffee Rock. I was in a band, he was in a band, his brother was in a band, and Great we got stuff. Uh, the pastor from my church to preach, and we packed out our high school hall with kids, and 15 kids came to the Lord that night. Yeah. Mm. And then your life changed in 2007. You mentioned it. Yeah. With your journey through post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, anxiety. Mm. How did that work through in your life? I had symptoms leading up for quite a long period of time to the eventual breakdown and I wasn't aware that I was even having symptoms you know things happen but you don't necessarily know what they mean at the time what were those symptoms I I was um, having blackouts Um, I would sometimes sit at my desk and just stare at the walls you know for you know large amounts of time 
sometimes when I was counselling or talking with people, I'd talk really fast and wouldn't stop. You know, there's all these kinds of signals that, you know, I was on my way somewhere and it wasn't yeah. good. And then it happened. And then it happened. How did that manifest itself? Um, well, the bottom line was I, I was having a lot of physical um, trauma in pain and I'd had surgery many years before and I thought that maybe that problem had come back again. And so I immediately went to my doctors and uh, my doctor said, no, this is not a physical ailment. He said, I, I can tell you right away that you're suffering from depression and anxiety. And at that point I collapsed on his floor because it, oh. was, it was almost like, being handed a death sentence for me it was like your life is over you now have this thing you know and something that I, I never really understood which I think is true for a lot of people they don't really understand how do you reflect now with the benefit of the knowledge that you have over five years how do you reflect back on that response in that surgery it, it scares me in a lot of ways because I was a pastor for you know 20 odd years I, I wonder how many times I patronized people that suffered from mental illness because I didn't understand it uh, but now that I was part of that community and had an understanding of it, it's given me a totally new perspective towards mental illness and people that suffer from it. But you had a fair way to travel before you got that. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you end up in a psych hospital and you sort of wonder where God is and, you know, where's this great big thing I'm going to do for God now, you know? You don't come back from being in a psych hospital. Who's going to ask you to do ministry after you've been in a psych hospital? How long was it before you started to emerge? Uh, I had four visits, three-week um, visits to that hospital over a period of about um, two years. But the second visit that I was in the hospital, a young lady and her husband and little baby came and visited me, and she was 30 years old, but I knew her when she was 14, and she was in a youth group where I was the youth pastor, and she came out and visited me. And I hadn't seen her for years. Then somebody else came and visited me that I hadn't seen for years and told me how much impact I'd had on their 16-year-old son who was now 21. And this was like happening over the whole time I was in hospital. And so by the time I got out of hospital on that particular occasion, I started thinking, hang on, you know, God's used my life to this point in time. Yes, yeah. Why would he stop using it now? What precious visits those were, no mm. doubt. Absolutely. And probably a sobering lesson for all of us that, you know, a person may have depression, but you don't have to treat them like they're a leper. Mm, exactly. And, you know, I I found the people in the hospital just like me. They're ordinary people, just like all of us, you know, that there were women there with postnatal depression. There were patients with various forms of mental illness, but they were still just, you know, everyday people um, that happened to have this illness and happened to be in hospital because they needed treatment or they needed that care. So through this time, you've re-emerged jumping back on the horse to be a pastor, preacher, performer. Yeah. How hard was that to jump back on? Um, probably premature because I tried that about two years ago and um, I started to do some things and I was working with Jeff Bullock, who a lot of your listeners would know. Yes. And, um, but it was probably very premature because I was still in, have, having major episodes on a fairly regular basis. They were still trying to um, find the right medications for me and things like that. So... I've only now, after two years, in the last um, six months, um, been able to um, get back into ministry again and, and start going to churches and have the confidence to actually stand up to people and, and share with them. And your message to them is that you can still function despite this insidious illness. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been writing a book and um, I've interviewed several people for that book. And the, the key theme of the book, it's called How to Stand When All You Feel Like Doing Is Lying Down. 
And that's the key theme is the people I've interviewed for the book as well as my story is how would he function despite this illness? I, I've no d- doubt that God could heal people from this illness. But for those of us that still have this illness, um, how do we function despite it? And I'm not talking about giving into it either. I'm not saying that we just lay down and die and you know, put up with it. I'm talking about how do we function? And I interviewed some amazing people, you know, people that despite having bipolar were, you know, working as an occupational therapist and had just had a child was one of the young ladies I interviewed. And so you hear stories like that and you go, it's not a death sentence. It's not the end of the world. No, no. Although for some, it may for a time be a crippling disease. Absolutely. That they can't function much. That's right. And and when you're in the darkness, it's very hard to see any light. And and that's you know, that's still true for me. I'm having a good day today, you know, and um, I've had a good week this week. Yeah. But only a week ago, I was having a bad week. And I guess my encouragement to people all the time when I travel around and, and I speak and I sing is if you battle um, depression or anxiety and you're having a bad week, then let yourself have a bad week. <laughs> Don't put all this pressure on yourself. To, no, no, this is not good enough. This is not good enough. I need to be on top of it, you know. Allow yourself to have a bad week. The response, you say, as you speak about this to churches, is both exciting and disturbing. Mm. How do they work together? Well, the, the positive side of it, just because it kind of um, caps off what I was just sharing, you know, I was in Sunshine Coast of Queensland just recently, in a church and I went up to the tea lady and she thanked me for my testimony and said that she'd battled with depression for 35 years and she said I really struggle with that verse in scripture Philippians 4.13 you know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and yet I have these episodes of depression how do I deal with that and I said exactly what I just said before give yourself a break Jesus is with you in those moments and his opinion of you hasn't changed compared to the moments when you're feeling totally you know, happy and you're on top of things and rejoice in those times, I said to her. But in those hard times, just know that you're there in the in the palm of Jesus' hand and that's okay. And her shoulders just went down in relief and she said, oh, thank you. Thank you for telling me that. And I guess that's because the other side of this is I expect a lot of people who have been in situations where people don't understand. I've heard people been told to go off their medications I've heard of people being told that um, mental illness is sin or it's oh. because of unresolved anger and bitterness issues in your life. I've heard it all. and I'm sure you've heard it all. At the end of the day, the fact is that it's a real illness. Yes. Same as someone has diabetes or heart disease or something else, uh, mental illness is an illness. And I think it's actually at epidemic proportions in our country. I'm sitting here thinking, is this the big thing you're doing for God, actually? I'm sure you've reflected on that. Yeah, I have reflected on that. and But I don't, I don't think of it that way anymore. Yeah, it's probably a healthy thing. Yeah. I, I look at my life now and I, I see that my life is 24-7, seven days a week, um, carrying the kingdom of God with me wherever I go. And so whether it's, you know, I, I sing at a Gloria Jeans on a Thursday night um, just because I can and, and it's an outlet for me with my music, um, or whether it's singing in a church or just being friendly to somebody you know, we can all do those things. What do you say about the pressure for performance that I'm sure a lot of people feel within the Christian community, the pressure of expectations? Yeah, I think there's a lot of that out there. I've heard it said many times, this phrase, performance Christianity. And I understand what that is because there is a pressure to perform. Um, For me, the underlying root of that was I had to know that God um, really liked me. See, I'd grown up being told that he loved me, 
because the Bible tells me so, you know, that great old yes. Sunday school hymn. But I don't think I ever understood that he actually likes me. What a great distinction to mm. make. Yeah. It was quite a revelation for me um, that he actually likes me and that you know, there's nothing that I can do to add to what he's done for me and there's nothing that I can take away, you know, that I can do that will take that away from me. He just loves me, period, and he likes me. A very wise friend said to me probably about four or five years ago, and I've read, reflected, studied Christian faith, lived it for decades. And I think one of the most dawning kind of revelations that I've ever heard was when she said to me, you know, God is on your side. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's not angry at you. Um, he's not mad at you. You know, So many uh, Christians I come across are walking in shame, condemnation, all sorts of things like that. Um, partly because I think you know, the message of grace hasn't gotten through. You know, people have missed that. You know, they've missed the grace of God and how expansive that is and how great that is. Um, it's by the grace of God I stand. It's the only reason I'm here today is by the grace of God. Except by the grace of God, I probably wouldn't be here at all. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> how much has music meant for you in this journey out of it? Uh, music was a big part of that at the time. So I actually didn't touch an instrument for quite a long time. The first time I did, I sat down and I wrote a song um, actually talking about depression and talking about how I was feeling. And I suddenly realized I'd written a song and I just broke down in tears. It was like, wow, something was rebirthed in me. And so that's been an ongoing journey. Music's really important to me. So there's a new album, The Journey So Far, a song from which you're about to uh, perform for us. What's the story there? The album really is just looking, reflecting back at the journey. It has a whole bunch of songs from previous recordings. But the the second CD and the two-disc CD is mostly worship songs because at the end of the day, for me, my source, the source of my life is Jesus Christ. And knowing that and living that and being part of that is something I wouldn't change for the world. So I guess it comes back to that little room when I was five years old, um, back to the simplicity of that. That's how I function. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love others as you love yourself. That's become my basic theology, I guess, in these, in these days. Not a bad theology, mate. Yeah. Well, let's hear one of the tracks from The Journey So Far, Living Tribute. Gordon, it's been great to meet you and great to hear your story. Thank, Thank you, you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you. And this is Gordon Barr, Living Tribute. Sing this simple 
We hope you enjoyed this open house podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.